You're listening to the Sermon Podcast for the Peak Church, located in Apex, North Carolina. Our church is striving to welcome all who are feeling disconnected from God. And so our hope is that over the next several minutes, you will connect with the God that we are talking about, and you'll resonate deeply with the life that this God wants for you. We hope you enjoy. The scripture passage for today is from the book of Romans, chapter 2, verses 25 through 29. Circumcision is an advantage if you do what the law says. But if you are a person who breaks the law, your status of being circumcised has changed into not being circumcised. So if the person who isn't circumcised keeps the law, won't his status of not being circumcised be counted as if he were circumcised? The one who isn't physically circumcised but keeps the law will judge you. You became a lawbreaker after you had the written law and circumcision. It isn't the Jewish person who maintains outward appearances who will receive praise from God. And it isn't people who were outwardly circumcised on their bodies. Instead, it is the person who is a Jewish person inside, who is circumcised in spirit, not literally. That person's praise doesn't come from people, but from God. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Friends, good morning to you, and welcome back for week two of our sermon series that we began last week, a sermon series we're calling Committed, the five essentials for finding, for recovering an intentional faith. We created this sermon series uh, several, several, several months ago, uh, feeling and sensing that there are many of us in the church who are finding themselves in a space where we need uh, sort of like a time of spiritual recalibration, uh, a season of sort of spiritual realignment, to sort of recommit ourselves back to uh, the sort of five major areas, the five major sort of facets of faith. And you may sit there asking, like, what are those five? Well, for us here in our tradition, uh, we believe that someone who is practicing a well-balanced faith, again, a very well-intentioned faith, is loving God in these areas, loving God by way of our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. Last week, we actually began with the end in mind, and we talked about witness. We talked about what does it mean, what does it look like to love God in and through my willingness to share about how and in what ways God has been at work in my life and made a difference in my life, in what ways might I be being called and challenged and pushed to invite others to be a part of what God is doing in my life. Today, what we're going to do is we're going to shift our attention to presence. How do we love God with our presence, and specifically our presence here, our presence in church, in worship, week in and week out? And so as you hear that, and you remember our scripture passage that was just read a couple of moments ago, you probably have a lot of questions. How in the world? Why in the world? I never thought when I woke up this morning I'd be healing so much about the male reproductive system at church, but here we are. Uh, There's no going back now. What in the world does all of that have to do with worship? 
And to answer that question, well, what do you say? Let's cut right to it. So uh, we're moving back to our scripture passage for today. Uh, today, we're, again, we're camped out in Romans chapter 2. Uh, so if you have your Bibles with you and you want to sort of follow along, uh, today we're camped out in Paul's letter to the early church in Rome. And let's just sort of confront it head on. Like, what is going on? Why uh, did Julie have to say that word circumcision about 17 times this morning? Well, in order to answer that, you've got to know a little bit more of the context that Paul is speaking to, that he's preaching to. One of the things that we know about the early church, particularly the pocket of Christians inhabiting Rome at this time, is that many of these people would have been steeped in ancient Judaism. These would have been people who were raised, trained in what it means to be a law-abiding, a Jewish law-abiding believer of God. And one of the things that is the practice of ancient Judaism, one of the ways you marked yourself, you and your family, as a legit, a genuine follower, a believer in God, at least for males, was circumcision. When those kids were eight days old, they said, welcome to the world, we, so, we love you so much, God loves you so much, and to prove it to you, scalpel. <laughs> and so, being that this is the context that Paul is preaching to, he's speaking to, Paul understands that sometimes within communities for whom uh, they have practices like these, practices that sort of mark you as, I'm a, now a legitimate believer, a follower, What Paul understands is that sometimes in those communities, there's going to be a temptation. There's going to be a tendency to have a sort of like what we might call a static understanding of faith. An understanding that, well, you know, I'm good. Like, I did the thing. Like, I did the act. I performed the sort of marker that moved me as a convert, as a believer, as a legitimate person who's a part of this thing. I've done the thing. Now I'm good, right? A contemporary sort of analogy to this might be, for us, baptism. I was baptized. I I prayed the prayer. Like, I did the converting thing. Like, I'm good, right? I can just kind of, like, cruise, right? Paul says, nah. Nah, dude. Like, that's not the way it works. Like, this is not actually what God wants for us. And this is actually what Paul means when he talks about being circumcised in spirit, right? He says these words. He says, it isn't the person who maintains outward appearances who will receive praise from God. It isn't people who are outwardly circumcised on their bodies. Instead, it is the person who is circumcised in spirit, not literally. That person's praise doesn't come from people, but from God. What Paul is helping us understand is that in the aftermath of Jesus, what we now know is that how we're, quote-unquote, made right by God is not a singular act of conversion or devotion. It's a whole life long that what Jesus is inviting you into is not something static, it's dynamic. It's something that's going to require you to reinvest yourself, your heart, soul, mind, and strength every single day. And so fast forward to 2023, let's fast forward to today. And it seems like to take this in context and apply it into our context is to ask a question like this. Lately, I think this is a question we should be asking ourselves pretty routinely. Lately, have I been a Christian in name only or in my behavior? I like to put it this way. Lately, have I been a Christian only in terms of my persona? You know what a persona is, right? It's the version of yourself you prefer other people to see, other people to hear. Have I been a Christian in persona or in practice? 
And if you're sort of wrestling with that question here today, uh, one of the defining sort of answers, one of the defining sort of markers that helps you figure out either or is what we're talking about today. Are you participating in a faith community? Are you active in the communal Christian community? Are you a regular in the space of corporate Christian worship? Now, I know what you're thinking, I know what you're thinking, I know what you're thinking. Kyle, we hear you, but like, just because you go to church, just because you might be in worship all the time, does not make you a good Christian. And you know what I want to say to that? Amen. Absolutely. It is 100% possible to be the most frequent churchgoer and to also be a total turd. <laughs> you met these people before? You've been around them before? It's totally possible. Totally possible. But at least in my experience, you want to know who, at least in my life, also goes to worship, participates in their faith community the most? The best Christians I know. The most mature Christians I know. The people who are the most deeply invested in this kingdom movement that Christ has invited us into. Those are also the people who are here time in and time again. Why? Because for one, they understand and they're applying this passage, passage like Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, whereby another church leader in the early church is coaching them saying, hey, don't stop meeting together with other believers, which some people have gotten into a habit of doing. Instead, encourage each other, especially as you see the day drawing near. The, the most mature Christians, at least in my life, they understand that they need the community. They need the corporate body of Christ in order to not only start their relationship with God, but to maintain that relationship with God. They understand that that encouragement that uh, the author talks about here is it kind of goes both ways, that some days they're going to wake up and they're not going to necessarily know if they believe or what they believe, and they need the corporate community to rally around them and to believe in and with for them. And simultaneously, they understand, at least in my life, again, the most mature Christians I know, they understand that that encouragement goes both ways. They know that there's going to be days where they show up and they're ministered to by way of the sermon or the music or the whatever, but they also know there's going to be days where they show up and they're supposed to be the ministers that they're going to be the ones who bump into someone in the lobby, bump into someone as you're leaving here, who desperately needed someone to see them, to hear them, to share about their experience. In many ways, I say this all the time, going to church is like going to the gym. You remember back in 2020 in the pandemic when all of us spent all of our STEMI checks on all of the at-home workout equipment? It was fun for a minute, wasn't it? We were like, this is awesome. I'm going to turn the old nursery or the old sort of gym at home, and we're just going to do it at home. We're going to watch the videos. No one's going to judge me about my form or anything. It's going to be wonderful. But you want to know what's flooded Facebook marketplace right now? <laughs> All of your at-home workout equipment. Why? Because eventually we realized that I'm going to need somebody to maintain this discipline. I'm going to need people to push me. I'm going to need people to challenge me. Like church, I'm going to need people to come around me and teach me things, show me things, reveal things to me that I would not otherwise find out or come to understand on my own. Before I became a pastor, 
Like I could draw you a line of when I felt the strongest in my faith, the healthiest in my life, were always the times when I made this a priority. I made this discipline a part of my regular routine. Now, I know what you're thinking again. I know what you're thinking again. We did this last week. We did this last week. Um, you're sitting there thinking, well, Kyle, we hear you again, but it's always a little weird when a pastor gets up and talks about the importance of being in church. That's okay. We can just name it, okay? Just nod. Feels weird, doesn't it? Feels a little weird. It's like when you go to the dentist and they're like, you really should floss. You really should. We should do that. We should do that, right? You should, and then you should come back um, like every month um, because your teeth. Hmm. Um, you could feel like whenever a pastor gets up to talk about this stuff, it's here, seriously. It can feel like whenever a pastor gets up to talk about the importance of being in worship, it can feel like, dude, we hear you, but this is kind of your job. Your job is to tell me to be here. And I get that. Some of you actually goes a little bit deeper. Some of you, because of your experience with church or your experience with the pastors, maybe it goes a little bit deeper. You're internally, you're even wondering, uh, is, is what you're even saying for me? Or is it just for you? Is this just a self-serving sermon? You're just saying this, Kyle, because, I don't know, you want to grow or you want a big church or you don't want to preach to an empty room. And for those of you for whom I'm still getting to know, one of the things that I work my tail off to try to do and to try to be is honest. So I'm going to practice that right now. And if you're asking me the question of do those thoughts ever run through my mind, the answer is yeah. Do even pastors have egos that get the best of them sometimes? Yeah. Do these questions run through my mind sometimes? Yeah. Mm -hmm. They do. But as long as we're being honest, can I also be honest about some of the unselfish motivations for why this matters to me so much? Can I, be, can I give you a little bit of those reasons as to why we as pastors are so passionate about the discipline of being in a worshiping community on a regular basis? For one, it's because I worry for folks. I worry that if this is never a priority for you, like if this doesn't matter to you very often, um, I worry how it impacts your imagination and your understanding of God. Let's just call it like it is. For some, church is a religious show. It's a religious show that you tune into online or it's something that you show up to when you want it, when you need it. When you find yourself struggling with courage, you need courage, like, oh, yeah, I know, I'll go to church and get like, sort of like a zap of courage. Or you're just like, oh, man, I'm really feeling like despairing about the world. I know, I'll go to church, get like a zap of uh, some encouragement, some hope and such. Or maybe for you, it's when that guilt meter starts to redline uh, for not being around or talking to God very much or communicating with God very much. You're like, okay, I'll go to church. And hopefully that'll be like a spiritual Drano to kind of like flush all that stuff out of me. The problem with that relationship with church is that it, it impacts your relationship with God. If you're not careful, you begin to see God as someone who serves you, who's only there to meet your needs. 
who's only you have a use or value for when you need something. Now, does God do that? Yes. But this is also a relationship where you get to ask things of God, and guess what? God gets to ask things of you. How many of you, can you remember the last time you felt like God asked something of you? You made yourself available to God to be moved or challenged or pushed in a direction that you otherwise wouldn't have gone. Friends, church is not a religious show. We are a community of people called out by God to make disciples to transform the frickin' world. We can't do that if this is just sort of like a spiritual Netflix situation. So I worry about that. As your pastor, I also worry uh, for you that um, that is yet another sign, not being, like this not being a priority, this not being a part of your rhythm, this not being a part of your discipline. I worry that that is also a symptom of a larger problem, that you're actually losing control over your life. You're losing control over your schedule. With every passing year, you're losing control over what's most important to you. How many of you remember there was a, a quote a while back that said, show me someone's checkbook and I'll show you their heart. How many of you have heard that before? It's kind of a dated quote. No one uses checkbooks anymore. And uh, the kids and the Gen Z immense are like, what's a checkbook? Um, just sort of bypass that for a quick moment. I wonder, increasingly, if not only it's a telltale sign of your checkbook or your bank account, but show me someone's Google calendar. Show me your iCalendar. I'll show you what matters most to you. I'll show, I'll show you what you value most. And if church worship never shows up anywhere on that, are you in control of your own life? Who's leading your life? Who's the Lord over your life? Do you even know where your life is going? So worry about that. And thirdly and finally, I worry that, you know, friends, here at the peak, we say all the time that we want to gather people ultimately to follow Jesus who will transform the world. That's who we were called to be. Do you know that? That's who we were called to be. You know that whole talk about, you know, feeding the hungry and caring for the sick and finding those who are unsheltered and giving them a place to live? You know that Jesus meant that, right? You knew that that was our job. That was our responsibility. I'll just be brutally honest with you. I worry. I'm concerned that if this is never a habit for you, if you're never, if this is never a discipline for you, then friends, we're actually, the capital C church is actually not going to transform the world. We're actually not going to impact the world in all of these areas. We actually can't do that if you're only here once every other month. If we can't get on your calendar. I'll close here. Band, you can go and come on up. I think why I wanted to narrate it that way is because I needed you to see my concerns. These are my worries. These are my concerns with having that sort of relationship uh, with church, with public worship. Now, some of you might hear all those, and you might be like, dude, well, I, I'm actually here pretty often. Like, I'm here quite a bit. And if that's you, 
Godspeed, baby. That's awesome. Like, after church today, just go home, rest well, have a nice potluck, enjoy your day, okay? Others of you are listening to this, and you heard all my concerns, and you're saying to yourself, yeah, I hear that, but like for a lesser person maybe, but not me. I, um, <laughs> Kyle, I'm, I'm pretty strong in my faith. Um, I, I don't, I don't, I, don't I'm, I, I can sort of maintain a sort of, you know, halfway, half-hearted commitment to worship and, and being a part of the community. I can do that and not fall into any one of those traps. And if that's you, if that's you, Godspeed. But just know what you're doing when you do that is you're sort of leaving here today. Have you ever heard uh, the, the, the acronym AMA, you're leaving against medical advice? Just know, if that's the way you intend to live, if that's the way you tend to do this thing, you're living APA, against pastoral advice. I don't know how to lead you in that. I don't know how to coach you in that. I don't know how to coach somebody in being a solitary Christian. I don't know how to do that. In many ways, I don't know if Jesus did either. What does Jesus say? Where one person out with their little devotional book is there I am among them. And some of you know that. And some of you have been feeling this for a long time and it's been sort of working on your heart and it's been working on your spirit for a long time and you find, you're finding some of those concerns that I mentioned earlier, you're finding them sort of creeping into your system and you're finding that you don't want that to be your life, you don't want that to be your spirituality, you don't want that to be your relationship with Jesus, you want something different. And to those of you who are feeling that, especially in this season, what I will say to you is that quite frankly, nowadays, nowadays, participating in worship in a weekly basis is not only an act of devotion anymore. Good Lord, it's like an act of resistance. It's an act of protest. It's an act of saying to all those emails waiting for you, all those people clamoring for your attention, all those things clamoring for your devotion, it's your way practically, physically saying to them, you aren't the Lord of my life. You don't own me. That's you, and you want to use, you know, again, we're using this whole season as an opportunity to recommit, realign, recalibrate. If that's you, and you're like, that sounds great, Kyle, but I just don't even know where to start. This is what I always say to new families here at our church. I say, listen, make it this your goal. Make your goal the 211 goal. If you want somewhere to start, somewhere to begin, somewhere to begin again, make this your goal. Try your best to be here twice in person. Try your best to serve once throughout the course of this mission ministry. And then just bake into that rhythm one week where you're going to rest that day or you're going to tune in online. I say, this, I say this about online all the time. I love the fact that we have live stream. I love the, the fact that we have online ministry and worship available. But use it as a supplement, not a substitute for church. Otherwise, again, it becomes like Netflix. It becomes like a show. And you're only getting half of the equation. And so I want to challenge you, I want to push you, uh, that if you're finding yourself, this is speaking to you, this is where you've been lately, I want to encourage you to try this, and I want you to try this for six months. Six months? Six months, okay? Just like the gym, you can't show up to the gym for two weeks and be like, why am I not just like huge? Why am I not just like beautifully fit? Like what's happening? It's because it takes a minute. 
want to push you. Do this for six months and see if it doesn't change your life. Just see if it doesn't make you more into the person, into the likeness of Jesus than you are right now. And who knows? Who knows? You might also find out that you much more prefer a smaller, simpler, more present life than the overscheduled, overextended, and overcommitted life you're trying your best to live right now. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Let all God's people say, amen. Thank you for listening to the Peak Podcast. Make sure you subscribe wherever podcasts can be found. For more information on how to get connected with our church, please visit us at thepeakchurch.org.